the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, another cold day here. Supposed to have a lot of we're supposed to have a lot of storms in the Midwest. So I don't know if that affects the Cleveland area or not, but we'll find out the hard way. Let's start off uh, thinking positively. <clears throat> what we are, what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit, and that comes one from one of the greatest, Aristotle. Excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. That's Booker T. Washington. We don't get a chance to do many things, and everyone should really be excellent because this is our life, Steve Jobs. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence, Vince Lombardi. And then finally, excellence is not an exception. It is a prevailing attitude. Sometimes, you know, uh, in the in the blankest or the coldest part of winter, thinking excellence is a good idea for you. All right. So remember, uh, if you go to WHK 1420, their webpage, go down to local podcast, go to Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show, you can get, we have our dividend growth portfolio. We're going to talk about dividend growth a little bit again this week. Our prime income list. These are great ideas, you know, get a check a month, (laughs) you know, 250, 300 bucks a month. Okay. You can get the business owner's guide to trans transitions, uh, and it's it's a it's an excellent piece, by the way. Uh, also, our savvy investors credit workbook, our woman in wealth, a planning guide, um, just our our top uh, picks, small cap. Our uh, you know I was looking at our uh, I was going to go over a little bit here. Uh, our all cap growth fund it, it did fantastic last year, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Our small cap picks have knocked the cover off the ball. So, And then if you go to my webpage, if you hit the Insights tab, there's some golf tips from Webb Simpson there. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. I don't know about you folks. Uh, they talk about Brexit, the market, uh, the, the Fed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there's some things to think about. And um, I was asked the other day, uh, you know, a, a couple things. And um, so I, I thought what I'd do, is uh, talk about a couple things that are uh, that I think are are coming to a theater near you. Is <laughs> what I guess I'm trying to say, and uh, it, it's kind of an interesting uh, period I think that we're going through right now. And uh, I, I just think that you know there's some stuff going on, but let's we'll start off with uh, strategy, okay? Uh, Lori Calcivina talked about some things, and she said a couple things, and I'm just going to give her the ma- I'll give you the major points. Uh, but once again, this is a live show, so if you have a question, 
216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll get you directly into the studio. So with more than half of the S&P 500 results in, uh, we looked at the, the stats, and our stats reflect data as of uh, last Friday, okay? So, um, look, we, we've been pointing out for the last few weeks that earnings per share and revenue beats are at near all-time highs. That's kind of neat. It's, it's a testament to the resiliency and, and, the, and the adaptability of the U.S. economy and also the corporate leadership. You know, everybody says, hey, these guys make too much money. But, you know, after a pandemic, they're hustling. They're getting things done uh, so their companies can survive. That's very important. Um, so many companies across all sectors have seen their stock prices fall by at least 1% after the trading session. So I think expectations were very, very high. Uh, you know, I own a couple stocks that went down kind of hard, and they blew the cover off the ball. All right, so it might be a buying opportunity. So, but we continue to think that this is mostly because, like I said, the expectations were really high. It wasn't having anything to do with anything. But uh, now, what jumps out in terms of of style and sector so far is if you dig deep within the large cap universe into growth, value, etc. There are two areas that jump out in a positive way. The first is value. For the first time since 2016, the percent of sell-side earnings per share estimate revisions to the upside is tilting back in favor over, of value over growth. Man, I mean, I've been talking about this for two years. <laughs> it's the longest transition to value, from value to growth that I've ever seen. I'm not even sure it grows over with. I think, I think you need that barbell approach that we've talked about. But the, the advantage is slight, and it may be fair to say that growth no longer dominates on this gauge of the earnings sentiment. Uh, nevertheless, it's an important development in the style trade and one that favors further rotation in the market from growth to value. Okay, so just keep that in the back of your head. The other thing I've seen is, you know, look, small caps tend to report late, okay, just because it costs more money for them and it takes a little bit longer because they don't have the people. But it's still early in the small cap reporting season with just 27% of results in, and this is, like I said, is not unusual. But much of what we see is similar to large cap. Beat rates are quite elevated. Uh, they're hitting all-time highs for the Russell 2000 on both earnings per share and sales. So, look, if revenue goes up and they don't have any earnings, you know, uh, or, they're, or they're taking losses, what people look for in small caps is where there's smoke, there's fire. So they're looking for revenue, okay, which is very big. Now, one thing is institutional investor sentiment is starting to erode which is very interesting simply because retail investors have been very bullish. You know, last summer, they said on CNBC that they take a poll. There's a guy who takes a poll of the, the richest 9% of the people in the United States, and they were all going to cash, which was the wrong thing to do, okay? Now they're jumping back in the market. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly what happens from here. Now, look. We had our Fed meeting this week, and uh, not many people were talking about, you know, inflation. Okay, now Tom Porcelli did a piece this week on it, and look, I think if you look, the chart that I saw was when we had pent up demand, and we have a lack of supply, and we get a lot of dollars chasing things. That's inflation. You know, inflation is defined as too many dollars chasing too few goods. Okay, so. Look, there's not much to say about inflation these days, all right? Uh, we, I talk to many people, clients, et cetera, and, 
and certainly the topic is the topic du jour. Uh, but if you read the, you know, most of the conversations out there by economists, it, there's a quite a bit of skepticism that inflation will emerge. In fact, we've heard on more than one occasion something in effect of, well, but we've heard the same worry over the years, you know, that type of thing. Well, you, we use the just released CPI report is simply the vehicle gets started here and what you know what is very chart intensive by the way uh so you can't see it so i'll have to talk to you, talk you through it but yeah the january cpi was incredibly benign beneath the surface but it does nothing to alter the broader inflation implications that face the u.s economy this year okay with many you know states in lockdown still in effect in january it's not surprising the pricing power was lacked it's not unusual at all but it's, it is the potential for significant pricing power to emerge once the economy reopens that we're interested in, isn't it? All right. So personal income, which has already been juiced and have led to excess of $1.000 in savings, are poised to get another round of relief. You know, we got a $600 check at the end of 2020. I didn't. I know some of you did. Uh, and then they're doing another $2 trillion, uh, coming up here. So. We need to look further than the pandemic to see the demand-driven spending boosts can do to pricing. Indeed, the interplay between uh, some, you know, a, a bunch of ratios and inflation is a good space to, to start. All right, and so I think what people have to understand is that what I think is going to happen coming forth is we we have a very low bar for gro growth, and we have a very low surprise supply and demand's going to come back online. I think what sells off the market is an inflation scare. I don't know if it's going to be inflation. I think it's going to be an inflation scare. Okay. So <clears throat> I mean, I was looking at things and after last week's, you know, we had a solid GDP report and, uh, you know, this week quelled near-term concerns. The activity may be heading for a slowdown. I think uh, the purchase and index that jobless claims, construction spending, some stuff like that. Um, now, there's a debate in Washington as to what the ultimate size of this fiscal package is going to be. But, uh, you know, I, I, Tom Percelli, our, our senior economist, and he's really good, by the way, the size of the stimulus is less relevant to the path of the economic activity and more relevant for the magnitude of change. In other words, economic, economic activity is going up and it's already going to be fairly strong. More stimulus just makes it more strong. All right. So it's something to think about. And and if you, you know, you look at this, uh, inventory levels are not in good shape right now. You know, not many people are working in factories. OK, so if you if the input prices come, I think you'll see a surge in pricing going up uh, because, look, purchasing managers remain confident. Uh, you know, like we have the Fed impact, you know, they're they're not. <laughs> They're not even talking about raising interest rates or any kind of uh, monetary policy. And trading volumes remain pretty elevated. Uh, you know, so people are thinking, you know, I, I don't think they're thinking ahead is what I'm, I'm guessing getting at. All right. So, uh, look, I, I it's, it's my opinion, you know, that we could have, you know, kind of an interesting moment coming up here. Okay. Now, last week, I started talking about dividend growth, and uh, look, short and long-term returns for dividend growth stocks are pretty significant. As a matter of fact, 
you know, if you looked at the compounded rate of growth over the last 100 years in the S&P 500, uh, it, you know, dividend growers average 11.5%. The S&P is only average 10 and dividend payers average 9.4. But dividend growers average 11.10. That's what I'm talking about, the dividend growth portfolio. And remember, the demographics right now for dividend payers remains very favorable because of the number of people who are over 65 years old. This is a great idea for, you know, extra money uh, in your in your pocket, okay? The check of the month club type of thing. So investors value growing dividend streams uh, and income streams. That's why we call them the, you know, the uh, the dividend aristocrats, <laughs> okay? Um, but dividend investing is, is like owning your own rental property. If you have the right property, rents go up. If you're in, air, in an area that is, you know, it's hot, you're in a good area. If you're in a company that's well-managed, that's growing their dividends, you're in the right stock. You can't fake dividends, folks. If, if the dividend yield goes up too high, people think that there's a possibility it could get cut or it wouldn't be up there, okay? So if you look at dividend payouts and they, you know, they've stabilized uh, after the recent cuts that we had back in the spring, uh, dividend growth stocks have underperformed in 2020. That provides you with some very attractive valuations. And I think dividend stocks are, are attractive versus fixed income yields in a big, big way. So uh, I think, you know, you got a Fed policy that's very accommodative. Uh, you've, you've got some things that, you know, lower interest rates. Uh, the spread versus, you know, the S&P 500 versus the uh, uh, corporate bonds is the highest it's been in a long, long time. So, look, the guided portfolio, the prime income list, and the dividend growth portfolio are two really good ways to uh, to take advantage of this scenario. We do a great job with this. I highly recommend it. I can run the portfolio for you if you like. Two basis points. All right. So uh, if you'd like that, go to WHK1420. Local podcast down to my, uh, you know, Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. Takes you directly to my webpage. Just hit the contact me or email me and ask for it. Okay. So. All right. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about was uh, the ADR list. <clears throat> and the question that I have is, look, from, from 2000 to 2007 or 8, I think it was 2007 when I came on and said, get out of China. <clears throat> I said that live on the air, okay, just so everybody knows. And uh, I, I think we were right at the peak. I mean, we came so close to the peak. I, I think it peaked like that week. It was, it was kind of a lucky call, but, you know, hey, I was, I was in the right area, right? Now, the question is, could the 20s be a decade for international stocks? Remember, there's give and take between international stocks and commodities. Commodities are starting to jack up here, okay? So could it be that, you know, the, look, Janet Yellen, last week, our new Treasury Secretary, did not defend the dollar. Twice she didn't, okay? I heard both of them. I listened. I couldn't believe it. Uh, the dollar is very important, I think, to the the U.S. dollar being the second currency or everybody's second currency, okay? It's very important. And I was very surprised when I heard it. I, I, I was almost shocked. But if the dollar goes down, commodities go up because they're priced in dollars, and international stocks go up, okay? It's just the way it is. So, look, uh, we're in 2020. Uh you know, from 2009 to 2020, stocks of large-based U.S. capital companies 
a large cap company, have averaged about 8.8% versus the internationals at 3.3%. So could a change of economic cycle lead to you know a change in the guard? Uh, COVID-19 pandemic brought close to a, you know, a close to an economic cycle. It's simple as that. So the question is, where is the leadership going to, you know, uh, now U.S. stocks have outperformed for some time now. Uh, back in the in the 2000 to 2007 range, they underperformed their their foreign uh, competitors. Uh, we've seen Japan. You know, we talked about Japan breaking out a while back. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but there's a lot of ADRs that I'm, I'm starting to look at and like. Uh, you know, we have a whole list of them. We have a whole list of them, and uh, you know, these are all followed by our people. And the guy running this portfolio uh, is an Englishman, and he knows that you know he's run money across the board, and he knows all these things. Uh, Alan Robinson's very good at what he does. Hey, let's take a break once again. Live show two one six nine zero one zero nine four five two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let's take a break. All right, we're back. Uh, just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, I was, a couple things. U.S. companies added 15% more gig workers from 2010 to 2020. Uh, that's from ADP, by the way. And during the third quarter of 2020, Fiverr, uh, American online marketplace for freelance services, reported 48% more U.S. freelance registrations on its website on an annual basis. So in October 2020, jobs overall were down 6.6 from pre-pandemic levels. But a category of workers called non-farm unincorporated self-employment which includes free ranchers, was only down 2.4%. So for those of you people having a you know, problem, maybe looking for a job, that, that's something to think about. In data collected uh, by Space Insider, or SPAC Insider, there were 248 SPAC IPOs in the U.S. over the course of 2020. By the way, in January, so far, we, we've, we had 91. <clears throat> and what a SPAC is, a SPAC is Special Acquisition, uh, product where they raise the money first and they buy the company. The problem with that is you don't know what the company they're going to buy. So you're hoping they're going to do the right thing. Uh, I've been through uh, two or three crazes with SPACs. <laughs> One was oil stocks a while back, uh, you know, and they've all blown up. So you got to be careful with these things. They'll, they'll, they'll be good until they're not. But I think it's kind of interesting that SPACs are that, you know, on pace to set to shatter the, they're going to blow out the 248 uh, into 2020. Uh, you know, because we've already done 91. We did 16 last week uh, on one day, you know, they came public. So and here's something interesting. Album sales, both physical and digital in the U.S. dropped to 102 million units in 2020, down from 501 million units in 2007. Overall music consumption is rising, however, which means that people are not listening to music any less than they used to. They just listen differently. Uh, they don't buy the, they buy it, they download it is what it comes down to. So uh now so let's talk about a few things here's a couple things that i've seen uh the bull bear indicator <clears throat> this week um is just below 
extreme bullishness. And this is for, you know, uh, I think Bank America does it and also Citigroup. And uh, this is one of the last indicators that didn't go really bullish. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier that there's a report out that the digital, <laughs> I mean, that the wealthy people, <clears throat> there's a group that uh, I'm not going to mention, but uh, there's a group of wealthy people who said back in August they, they had had more cash than they ever had, which was definitely the wrong thing to do. That's when the small caps took off. Uh, <clears throat> and now they're buying. So they're wrong then. The question is, are they wrong now? A couple other things I know I noticed this week is that um, I was looking uh, <laughs> at hedge funds, and they are five times more short oil than any other sector. Which kind of boggles my mind because I think Mr. Biden just saved the oil business, you know, by cutting the, the pipeline and by saying all the stuff he's saying. They're going to send oil to 100 bucks. I bet you we're paying three, four bucks for a gallon of gasoline in no time at all. Um, I also uh, I had a couple questions from some people, one about Bitcoin. And look, I can't help you with Bitcoin because I don't know how to value it. I know how to value a stock. I know how to value a bond. I don't know how to value Bitcoin. I have no idea what it's worth, so I can't answer any questions for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I mean, like you know, look. A couple of years ago, I looked at the chart and I noticed it wasn't going down anymore. I said that a couple of weeks in a row, but I have. It, you know, it's it's like a commodity, demand and supply. Okay, so I don't know what it's worth. Uh, you know, even a commodity, you get a good idea of what it's worth because it get you know, like a metal, you know what it costs to take out of the ground. Okay, but with Bitcoin, I, I have no uh, question. I also had some. I had a question from Ben about sports entertainment stocks, <clears throat> and they they are momentum stocks now. <clears throat> and what they're talking about is online betting. Okay, and I think the best ones have been the ones that have been that have online betting and also have physical places where you can go bet. Okay, um, uh, people that told me, "Hey, DraftKings been the best." No, it hasn't. There's one that I own that's been the best. Uh, I don't own a cross, and, and I own another one that's second best, okay? And neither one of them are DraftKings, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, so uh, that's another thing I saw. And uh, so I, I had a couple other people ask me, look, um, I talked about inflation, and I got a e I know I got a text email. I'm sorry. And uh, this is from Jer Jerry, and he asked, what happens if inflation gets over 2%? Well. When inflation's been over 2.2%, Jerry, um, gold has been a really good place to be, but silver's even been a better place. And for some reason, oil has not. All right. Um, and then one final thing is that I was looking at dynamic asset level investing, and technology is no longer number one. Consumer discretionary is, which I believe our, sen our friends at Fundstrat talked about a while back and said, hey, uh, you know, this, this is what we're seeing, okay? So, look, I, here's some of the stuff that I saw this week that, you know, um, I, I, I get a lot of newsletters, uh, so I'm, I'm regurgitating some guys like John Murphy and uh, uh, Rob Schleimer, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you look at the IWM, which is the Russell 2000, okay, um, it, it, it's been in a beautiful uptrend. And uh, after breaking out, of going sideways for three, four years. So it's, it's, you know, the uptrend can continue at the top of its trend line though. So, I mean, it could go sideways. It could come pull back. Uh, 
you know, so I, I think, um, you know, a pullback would be great uh, if you had the opportunity. But, you know, the really thing I see is the MACD line is very powerful for this the Russell 2000. So uh, for those of you by ETF, that might be the way. But, uh, you know, the, the 10-year Treasury looks like it may be kind of following, uh, you know, it. But if you look at small caps versus large caps, small caps have definitely been the place to be. So, uh, you know, I bring that up just simply because people have been asking, you know, and the other thing uh, <clears throat> I've been noticing is the, the seasonal patterns um, over the next two months are not really that strong. Usually, you know, February and March are kind of blah. April's kind of a, gets a little bit of a run. And then, you know, you go away in May and come back after All Souls Day. Right. Uh but I, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm, I'm looking at you know I'm looking at the spiders, and I'm, uh, which is the S and P 500, uh, and I'm looking at uh, you know I got a rising 40 week moving average. Uh, you know we had a, a hard sell off last week or two weeks ago. So uh, you know can we sell off? Yeah, um, I, I don't know if we're going to. Um, I'm just saying that you know right now we're looking fairly good. I, I you know but then again. I look at things like the, you know, the number of bulls out there are right below extreme levels, and also the thing I, you know, I mentioned last week that I was a little bit worried about was the advanced decline line, uh, you know, and they have broken down through their moving averages. Okay, so uh, I use a 50-day moving average. So you've had the New York Stock Exchange, which is you know like uh, 5,000 stocks, it's broken its uptrend line. Uh, the S&P 500 bro- broken and small caps have not. That's the ones that held up the best. And some of the mid caps have not. So, but, you know, you got to pay attention when they, when the number of stocks participating don't increase. Okay. Uh, you know, we always talk about that on the show. We always talk about, Hey, you know, uh, we have <laughs> the foot soldiers are not, coming to our rescue if you know what i mean so all right uh so look you know we we had you know a week ago um you know the weekly quadrant balance oscillator you know at the last week of january was very very high and i thought it was going to go higher and then it just dissolved in three days you know we went down thirteen hundred dollars in three days so i think what we're going to have is very choppy period going on here uh, you know, for the next couple of months, I, I don't know how big a correction we're going to have. You know, like I said, back this time last year, you may recall the bullish percent turned down last week of January. We got whacked. It rallied right back up into February. And then March was not a good month, obviously. So uh, I would just say this, you know, I, I look at the Russell. That's where the money's been made on a weekly basis. It's fairly The momentum numbers are fairly overbought. and They're starting to turn over. So there could be a corrective phase there. I do like the way it's been, uh, you know, looking versus the S&P 500. It's been outperforming. Now, the you know, some people asked me about foreign stocks, and I did a thing on ADRs here. Now, foreign stocks kind of have a double top going right now. So, uh, and I'm looking at the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, the EFA. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 the thing I think you need to have for these foreign stocks to get going is the relative performance versus the S&P 500 to, to turn up. And it's not doing that yet. Uh, the EEM, the EEM's 
uh, been very uh, you know positive. So you know, keep that in mind. Uh, and and it's you know, I just think growth versus value on a daily basis. You're seeing value take over. You know, we try to emphasize that. Hey, we're going to be right back with the bullish percent. And uh, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. We're back. Just tuned in. This is Smart Investor Show. You know, it's uh, reading that uh, Jeff Beck actually did the intro to that for Stevie Wonder. <laughs> uh, good guitars. Anyway, uh, you know, I was reading that the, the Labor Department announced uh, that the consumer price index increased 0.3% last month. It was d- downwardly revised, by the way, to a, just a 0.2% gain in December. So, Look, this inflation has been a topic throughout the investment community. We've touched on it a couple of times in, in our work here. Uh, the big price increase was gasoline prices, which rose by 7.4% in January. And I think it's going to rise more based on what uh, Mr. Biden, all the things he's been signing. I, I thought it was interesting. Back in October, he said that any president that you know governs by uh, executive orders uh, – is a dictator and he's got 57 in, which is more than all the other presidents combined. Uh, so, but I mean, I think that the, the point getting rid of the, of the pipeline is kind of interesting. And, uh, I, you know, I know there's some people that are really ticked off at him about that, uh, but I, it does one area that I've seen some interesting stuff is the inflation protection group of asset class scores. Um, you know, if you look at the consumer price index for all urban consumers, all items, you know, less food and energy, month over month change. It went to an all-time low in, in uh, March and then went to an all-time high in June. Interesting. So we'll see what happens as it continues, right? Um, so anyway, we talk about the bullish percent on this show and uh, people, you know, I think, I hope you're starting to get to understand it if you've listened for a while. Uh, literally what it does is it looks at all the charts out there and it says okay we've got 70 you know you know right now we have 74 percent of the charts are in are on point and figure ch- chart buy signals that's a lot okay that's when the market gets is starting to get red hot matter of fact 70 is the red line that's usually where you got to be paying much more attention to you know to portfolios okay and then when we get below 30 uh, that's when uh, everybody doesn't pay attention, you know, because they're so bummed out that their portfolio is getting creamed. OK. Uh, so it, with this, uh, this has all been designed by a, a protege, Charles Dale. And, and what he wanted to do is X is he had the offensive team on the field. O's is, uh, you know, it's a point and figure chart. So uh, O's just meant their distribution. Just so you know, distribution happens a lot faster than accumulation. That simple. So. We're in a column of X's right now. We're above 70, way above 70. Uh, we were up 8.2% last week to 75.9, which is a lot. Uh, so what we did was we were at 76. We went down to 62 and came right back in two weeks. 
That's unusual. That's exactly what happened last year, except last year we didn't go into a column of X's, which means, you know, the bullish percent's positive again, okay? The over-the-counter index went down six percentage points and came back 8.2 and is now for the first time over 70 in five years. That's the smaller names, okay? The, the world index, however, is still in a column of O's, so that's interesting. But the bullish percent, you know, the two major bullish percents uh, that turned back up this week in a column of X's, that's positive. However, uh, the major positive trends can, you know, continue, but the high-low indexes are up there. They all sit at around 98%. Uh, can't go past 100. <laughs> can't go past 100. So one of the things uh, we saw this week was uh, commodities continued their winning ways. Uh, they picked up seven more tallies in the dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright and, and the NASDAQ, by the way, now uh, uh, provide us. Uh, they also are the keeper of the bullish percent, which is uh, good, too. Recent uptick in single count now leaves commodities asset class with a tally reading of 202. That's pretty positive. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, crude oil is down more than 36 percent from the high. Uh, the commodity index is still down 27, but the gold trust is up 24. Now, we, we talked about gold a couple of years ago. Uh, we haven't been as you know, we, we mentioned that we saw some things we didn't like. But uh, look, uh, we see a number of buy signals for commodities and dynamic asset level investing that suggest we are seeing broad based strength in the asset class. All right. So something to think about. All right. Uh, we haven't talked about commodities in a long time, but they're definitely turning up. I look at the signal scores and the fund scores and they're all turning up. So think about that for a while. Now, we've had, the, you know, the Dow Jones and, and the EFA and the bigger indexes have all been uh, weekly momentum has been negative for seven, eight weeks now. It's just been the small names and maybe the QQQs that uh, have been positive. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if the S&P 500 turns. But, you know, on February 8th, we we saw the bullish percent reverse back up. All right. Uh, so we went down and reversed back up. Doesn't happen very often. But that's okay. I mean, you you dance with the girl who brought you to the dance. It's that simple as that. And if you're using the bullish percent, as I do, to determine how much risk there is, uh, look, we're we're in an area where you don't want to throw the long pass. Okay, what you want to do is you want to hand off to the fullback. You want to find things that are down. I mean, look, I talked about a stock for two weeks. Third time I talked about the stock about insider buying. Okay, the CEO who's leaving the company is buying. That I think is a low risk scenario. Okay, now the IJH, which is the, the small cap index, has blown out and is uh, broken out of a huge uh, uh, base, which is very positive. All right, that's small cap stocks. The the mid cap stocks uh, look look as though they're ready to to break out. Uh, you know, they oh, maybe they have. I guess the IJRs. They, you know, they broke a double top this week, so that's positive. And we had all the other indexes break double tops. It's just they're, they're not doing it with, you know, the kings and the knights are there, and there's a few foot soldiers, but not all the foot soldiers. Okay, so that's what you got to worry about here. Uh, as far as sectors are concerned, we're down to 33 sectors that are positive. And you know, we always talk about saying, always be in the favored sectors. Okay, 
because the favorite sectors will make you more money. That's where the money's going. Now, you know, remember, we, we moved, we are way to the right on this scale, and we moved down to the middle, and we moved right back to the right again. So we're very overbought. So I'm going to talk about the most overbought. These are the ones you should wait on, and I'll move down to the least overbought. We have nothing under 50. Remember, in March, everything was under 20, okay? Everything was under 20. What a great buying opportunity. So savings and loans are at 94. Restaurant, uh, restaurants, gaming, uh, building, and banks are at 84. Still, you know, those I would wait on those. Semiconductors, electric utilities, leisure, man, uh, machinery, business products, textiles, automobiles, chemicals, non-ferrous metals, computers, media, and internet are at 76. I'd wait on those. Waste management, transportation, steel, healthcare, and software are at 70. That's still, you know, you're above the red zone there, okay? And then at 64, oil services, aerospace, food, drug, oil, Wall Street, biotech, retail, housing, and financials. The only thing even close to a viable stage are gas utilities. And remember, you buy yield when it's up, okay? Utilities have not been participating. They're right at their uptrend line. Perfect time to buy. Same with real estate investment trusts. So for all you people out there who are retired, who need income, I've got some good ideas. <laughs> uh, you know, especially our, our prime income has got a lot of good ideas. So I'll just say that. All right. So uh, remember, you can get that by going to WHK1420. You know, you, you uh, go down to local podcast for the Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and it goes right to my webpage. Just hit the contact me. All right. So uh, international stocks, you know, I, I was looking at, and, you know, I, I, first of all, there's a chip shortage. Okay. Car companies can't get all the chips they want. Now that that's mostly two or three companies. Uh, a couple of them are, are foreign companies, but I'm also noticing that uh, some of these names are, you know, foreign companies that are on ABR list. Hmm. Maybe we should be buying some of those. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the ADR list is broken out, and that, that's why I brought it up today. So something to think about. Um, but I am seeing a lot in the semiconductor area, foreign semiconductors that look good. Okay, there's a couple domestics. There's a lot of domestic ones that look good. There's a couple foreign ones that really haven't made the move yet. One from France that I like the best uh, and I think is on our list. So as, as far as fixed income is concerned, the high yield spreads continue to fall. All right. so. It's hard to tell you to go out and buy, you know, high yields tend to be a, uh, a surrogate for the stock market, but still the best group is the convertible bonds, but they are 131% overbought. Now, we are now up, uh, the, the two convertible bond scenarios that I bought are now up about 40%, and they had about a 4% dividend yield, Okay. So now's not the time to be buying them, I don't think. I think you can hold them. Uh, now, a lot, you know, with a lot of the money being sent back to the, the states uh, on these deals for the government, uh, I think the municipal bonds or some municipal bonds that probably look pretty good. Um, you know, uh, we'll see. Um, most of the treasury bonds, 10 years and, and up, uh, are on sell signals, meaning that their, their yields are going up. Okay. This is a good thing. Positive yield curve is very, very good. Once again, crude oil came positive again for two weeks now. Gold's been negative for a while. The copper's been negative for a really long time. 
but a lot of the other commodities are holding their own and, and uh, you know, the commodities themselves have been on a tear, specifically crude oil. Uh, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about the first week of January, that Fundstrat, you know, uh, one of the best strategists in the world, Tom Lee, and, and our people were talking about consumer cyclicals, industrials, consumer cyclicals took over technology, and energy. And energy is the best performing. It has the, the, the fund score has increased by more than any other asset class. So, uh, you know, if you would have gone long oil, you would have been great. <laughs> You know, oil was trading uh, uh, at the, you know, at the, the day our good friend, the Mr. Biden, was elected. Uh, you know, we were at 46 bucks. We're now at 59, 58 and a half. Okay, so there we go. A couple more things, uh, real quick. Relative strength changes. We had a lot of buys. You should be writing these names down. Aware, add uh, flame oil technologies in the pharmaceutical area. Green buyer companies. Green Hill, Alpha Protec. Clovis Oncology, Protelectics, Terex, Meridian, Zixit Corporation, uh, Teradata, Quad, Graphics and Cancer Genetics, uh, Channel Advisor, New Base Therapeutics, Webco, and Kimball Therapeutics. Oh, and uh, Zenerba Pharmaceuticals. Cloudera is another name uh, that we like. So those are all the relative straight buys. I got a bunch more, but uh, we don't have much time. We'll be right back with Insiders. I got something great to say about insiders coming up so stay tuned okay we're back if you just tuned in uh my name is tim hayes smart investor show and uh, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Okay, so here's something that's interesting. Last week, we talked about BlackRock buying uh, quite a few small-cap biotechs, filing 13Gs and 13Ds. You should look those up. What I found out was that Friday and the Monday after that, Fidelity did it. Then what I found out is that on Tuesday and Wednesday, Vanguard did it. Hmm, maybe. And by the way, I have a list, which I'm not going to tell you guys. <laughs> My clients only. There's about 12, 13 stocks that all of them bought. Isn't that interesting? All right, well, let's, uh, first of all, we have Mike online. Mike, how are you? Hey, Tim. It's not too late to say Happy New Year, is it? Uh, no, never. <laughs> All right. What? Hey, uh, question for you. Just man, it's a philosophy question, I guess. Like, if you've been watching a stock and it finally reaches your buy point, and so you buy, do you have a a way to do it? I mean, do you layer in? Do you just buy it the, the first time and take a shot? I'm just kind of curious. And if you do layer in, like how many times, and you go buy a certain percentage? Mike, I use a money manager. Uh, who layers in uh, in deep value stocks. And that's how you do deep value. You know, um, I tend to buy off charts and off what the, so what I'm doing is I'm matching what our analysts are saying. And we have some really, really good ones. <laughs> I mean, we have five or six of them that are dynamite. I match what they're saying with the chart. Okay, so I think the stock's going up right away. So I buy them 
that way. Now, Marshfield, who is deep, deep value, uh, let me give you an idea. I, I, I had two guys not participate with them because they said they were buying Chipotle three years ago. All right? They bought Chipotle, okay. started at 285 and moved all the way down to 250 and then kept buying it right back up. So if, if you're buying value, that's how you should buy it. Okay, so value stock, right. you're actually doing it on the way down. You're you're trying to get a, a saucer-shaped bottom, okay? So you're buying mm-hmm. on the way down and the way back up. In my particular case, I'm trying to buy at the right time, the right stock at the right time. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> well, look, but, you know, if you have good analysts, which we do, I mean, that's why I'm at RBC, okay? I, I can go anywhere I want, Mike, okay? But I'm, I'm okay. at RBC because we have really good analysts. And believe me, I don't know if any of my clients are out there, but uh, I've been hitting the cover off the ball. Simple as that, because we have good analysts and we're in the right stocks. And everything we've told you on this show, we talked about the digital transformation of the economy back in May. Those stocks are absolute home run shots. I mean, we're talking Uh 300% in nine months. Okay. So that's why I do it that way. All right. Uh, But I also have, you know, this this great value deep value group who does it exactly what you just described. So okay. depends on your style. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. All right, I got. Hey, listen, Mike, thank I, you, got some, I got I got Kyle on the other line, so let me uh, grab right. him if I may. Kyle, how are you? Kyle, hey, good there? afternoon. Yeah, still here. How are you doing? I'm great. Hey, uh, yeah, I read somewhere where your uh, margin debt has hit an all-time high. You have any concerns about that? Uh, going forward, I'm concerned about a lot of things, Kyle. I'm concerned that the bullish percent is 76. <laughs> I'm concerned that uh, you know we had all these really smart, wealthy people who uh, back in August had 28, 30 percent cash. Now are buying everything they get their hands on. Uh, the bull bear spread is just below extreme levels. You know, I got a lot of things I'm worried about. Uh, and like I said last year, the same thing happened. We you know, we peaked in January, the bullish percent turned down, then we rallied back up, and we didn't go into a column of X's last year, but we did sell off in March. So seasonally, we're coming into a weak period. So, yes, yeah, I'm always – that's what – I'm a professional warrior, Kyle. <laughs> that's what I do for a living. <laughs> so, do you, do you, uh, yeah, do you think it's of- a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea to uh, buy stocks on margin? Uh, no. I, I, I don't buy them. If you're if you're trying to retire, no. I mean, if you're gambling, you know, if you're trading and you're gambling and you're watching things every day, that's fine. Uh, I'm not a big. I don't do it. Okay. Uh, I think right, I, I got one guy on, on. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. All right. So we have insiders. Uh, a couple things that I saw this week: uh, Infrastructure and Energy Alternatives, which is an engineering construction company. I noticed that Aris Management bought fifty-six million dollars worth. The next day, they bought fifty-six million dollars worth. Uh, two days before that, they bought $50 million worth, and they bought $50 million worth of the uh, day before that. So I would suggest they're very bullish about that company. Um, also, uh, Boar Biofarm, we had uh, RA Capital Management, which is smart money, by the way, by $53.6 million worth. And then we had a new issue last week, uh, Landoa Biofarm. And Konstantin uh, uh, Pokolov, who's a director and a very smart guy, by the way, bought uh, $20 million worth. Perceptive Advisors bought a couple times. They bought $20 million worth. 
Percept is very smart money, by the way. Uh, and then they bought about about 1.5 million. Uh, and Mr. Const, I mean Mr. P- Pokolov, uh, bought a couple, you know, more million and a half, million, two million type of things. So somebody those guys like that stock quite a bit, obviously. And here's one that was kind of interesting because back in in December, uh, they when they were 25, uh, we had several people buy the stock, insiders, and Dave Lesser, who's the CEO. At a new high, just bought $12.7 million worth of stock, 478,000 shares. That's really interesting. Uh, so it's gone from 25 to 42, and he's out there buying still. You like to see that. And then uh, Turns Pharmaceutical, which is another new issue. Uh, James Flynn, who's I think he might own 10% of this company. I, I don't know. But he bought $11 million, $11.3 million worth. Oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, Push Palmer also bought Vore Pharma. Uh, biofarm uh and that's a name you should get to know all right but also with mr flynn was orbit uh advisors which is very smart money they bought eight million and then carl gordon who's really smart money bought eight million too so obviously something's going on with this new issue we should probably pay closer attention to that one and uh uh what was the other one i wanted oh here is uh bolt therapeutic uh jim healy who's another smart man, bought $9 million worth of both. So uh, here we have three of the biggest mutual fund companies on the planet buying 20 or 30 positions, you know, filing 13 G and Ds on small bios. And here we have insiders buying small bios. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe we should be paying attention here, folks. Maybe we should pay attention. And by the way, uh, we also had Edgar Engelman, who's a director at, uh, at both uh, Biofarm, buy about $4 million worth, too. So uh, I did notice one other one, uh, Greenbrier. Uh, Bill Furman, who's the chairman and CEO, bought $1.3 million. I made a lot of money off that stock a while back. And then, you know, the, the, they, get, they gave up on the, uh, uh, the value stocks for a while, and, the, and they kind of pulled back. And the other one I want to mention, because this uh, these guys bought back in the you – know, oh, boy, it was in the spring at like 60 bucks. The affiliated managers group, uh, Jay Morgan, who's president and CEO, bought half a million dollars worth. And the stock has gone from 110 to 147, and he bought it at 147. So that, that was open market purchases. So a couple things there. Now let's move on, and let's uh, let's talk about our good friend, Mr. Dickey. Uh, Bob Dickey is going to retire. Oh, sad moment in my life. He's a great guy. Uh, he's not only an honorable man, but uh, uh, he's one of the best technicians on the planet, and it will be sad to see him go. So here's how he sees things. Uh, short term, he sees things copy. He's been talking about that for, for weeks now. He did this last year, by the way, and he was dead right. Uh, the market is exhibiting some signs of potential short-term peak with high level of speculative activity, that type of thing. Intermediate term, he's bullish. Long term, he's bullish. So uh, he's just think we could have a correct, uh, corrective phase. So, you know, I think, you know, you, you know, with things like that, you want to pay attention. So one of the things that people don't do is I think they don't plan ahead. And it's, it's interesting that we all work, you know, on our wealth plans, our retirement plans and all that stuff. But when it comes to individual stocks, few investors have a plan just to do what, what to do with those stocks. OK, we spend a lot of time and effort figuring out what stocks to buy. But there's no risk involved until we actually own the stocks. Then we assume all the risks and therefore must have a plan of what to do when the stock goes up or if it goes down. But too often we let the market and this and the stock decide our outcome. 
All right. So you have to have a management. You got to know when you're going to get out and when you're going to stay. All right. So look, too often investors' portfolios end up with a large number of stock positions to become less manageable as a result of too much diversification. All right. So you don't have to have 100 stocks. All right. 20, maybe 40. That's all you need. Okay. Simple as that. All right. Uh, and, and people think I'm crazy for saying that, but I, I think it's. It's it's definitely you know especially in times like this you know you're right at the top of the trend line in the Dow so the Dow's in an upslope remember you know we 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 draw a trend line on the the, the highs and then we draw a trend line on the lows and that's a beautiful uptrend we're at the highs so can we pull back yeah it depends on where the you know you're right you're putting the the lower line on as as to what the corrective phase will be so I I think people have to think about that uh, you know going forward so. Uh, look, um, one of the things, you know, uh, the turtle in the hair, the turtle wins sometimes, okay? So I've been talking about buying yield when it's up. You know, the utility index was at 925. It's now at 860. Utilities, the yields are up, folks. REITs, the yields are up. Maybe it's time to use the utility index and the, and, and the REIT index to your favor. In the meantime, don't forget, go to WHK1420 AM. Uh, if you go to my web, you go down to, to Smart Investor Show, it, goes, it can get directly to my web page. You can get our ADR list. That's our American Depository Receipt, foreign companies that trade here. Our top ideas, small cap, our uh, all-cap portfolio, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. I think the dividend and growth and prime income and utility index are a great place to be. We also have our small cap index. Don't forget to go to Insights, get some golf tips from Wemp Simpson. We've got some stuff on uh, Brexit and the market. Uh, we also have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, Women and Wealth, a planning workbook, and also a Savvy Investors Credit Workbook and the Business Owner's Guide to uh, Transition. Hey, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.